0: I'm Angeline Francis. And I'm Aldenado. From HuffPost, Canada, you're listening to Born and Raised, a podcast about second generation Canadians.
1: Okay, well, the correct way to pronounce my last name is Nguyen. Whenever I introduce myself, I just say Nguyen. This is Carol. She's a
2: filmmaker currently based in Quebec.
1: 20 years, like I said, that I've been speaking this way, it's just been a habit of pronouncing my name as Nguyen instead of Nguyen and Fo instead of Fo. The two most common words in Vietnamese, Nguyen and Pho, that everyone asks me to pronounce, it's just, you know, I'm a little tired of that question. How do you pronounce this? So imagine being, you know, a five-year-old entering kindergarten and everyone's name is on the attendance and the way your teacher pronounces your name is the way it is, Nguyen. And imagine that repeating for 12 years, even more. And so I think it's just something that I, I grew up with. And it was something that it didn't really bother me until I got, I think until I got into high school, where it wasn't just my name, but it was people asking me, you know, how do you pronounce fo And then asking me again and, and again and again. And it felt kind of like a circus. It felt like I was putting on a show. And that's when it started to bother me. From that, I just, like, I didn't really bother to give them that pronunciation anymore. I was just like, you know what, that's close enough, that's great.
0: Nowadays, people will correct you if you say pho instead of pho. It wasn't always the case back in the day for the popular noodle soup. Like, it's been faux for so long without question.
2: Yeah, and I've seen my fair share of restaurant name puns playing off of that, like faux nominon or good for you.
0: Which is interesting. Within the faux pho debate, it seems like the annoyance over the right pronunciation is felt more strongly by the children of immigrants.
2: Carol gave us her take on that divide.
1: As a child of immigrants, I've heard stories of, you know, my parents coming to Canada and not having money in their pockets. You know, it's really hard to say I think that they cared less. Um, And that's not to say that they think it's any less important than we did. I think they just had a lot more on their plates than to worry about pronunciation. But I kind of also look at it as, you know, Canada is a very multicultural country, and it's not only, you know, Vietnamese that's being mispronounced. It's, you know, many cultures, many languages that have to, many people that have to deal with this.
0: This episode of Born and Raised is about the way food gets lost in translation and why missing the full meaning of food names can be especially significant for the children of immigrants.
2: We're exploring language and cuisine, two of the major things that connect second-generation Canadians to their heritage. But when our links to language are less than exact, how does this affect our understanding of food? Let's dig in.
0: See, this topic is interesting for me because I'm Jamaican, so our most of our food, it's all in English. Like, it's Patois, it's English, but more or less there's no real language barrier or a lot of difficulty pronouncing things. But for me, I know when I try and go to like another restaurant from a different cuisine, I'll want to order some food and, and try something new, but then I have no idea what the menu says or what things are because it's a whole other language for me.
2: Okay, I really relate to that because for me, I understand Tagalog, which is a language in the Philippines that my mom speaks, but I can't really understand it when it's written down. So when I go to restaurants and I try to order hot plate, instead of being like this, this, and this, I just say, that thing over there, or the noodle thingy, and people are just staring at me like, are you even Filipino, you know?
0: It's like you need to get a lesson from your mom beforehand. Like, exactly. How do you say this?
2: Yeah. Ugh. You know, another thing she does is when I was a kid, uh, she would make ginuguan, which is like this blood stew. And instead of pre- presenting it as a blood stew, she'd be like, this is chocolate stew because it's a rich, deep brown. And this was a lie perpetuated by, if not all, most of the Filipino people I knew yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All
0: my friends and oh my gosh, it must be like finding out about Santa Claus when you realize, exactly. oh no.
2: It's a lie. They're deceiving us and they're all in on it. They don't even tell each other, but it's just, it's a conspiracy. I'm yeah. telling you.
0: Yeah, all of my Filipino friends, even today, they still say like, oh yeah, that chocolate, that chocolate thing.
2: The thing is it works, right? Because the literal translation like, is pig blood stew. A kid is not going to slurp on pig blood stew if they grew up in Canada, but tell them it's chocolate, they're in.
0: Okay, so I'll try that one day, uh, but I know that's not on the menu for today. So what are we serving up right now?
2: We're serving up a real meaty one. Well, actually a fake meaty one. We're going to talk to Adam Chen. He's a grad student in journalism whose love for stinky or rather smelly tofu has brought him closer to his father's Taiwanese side of the family.
3: When you smell it, it hits you. However, if you've never smelt it before, you're immediately going to be suspicious that there is a garbage dump that just landed on top of a tofu stand. I used to live in Taiwan for several years where I opened a chain of smoothie restaurants and ate a lot of stinky tofu. Growing up here, it was a bit special for me because my dad was uh, born and raised in Taiwan, but my mom was born and raised here. So my mom came from a fifth generation Canadian family. So for the most part, my mom would make something I'd say like 75% Canadian-esque food, 25% more Chinese food. For a lot of people on my dad's side of the family, they weren't necessarily planning to come to Canada and had been, you know, learning English for a long time and like, you know, building up to it. It was a situation that kind of happened and all of a sudden they were here and they had to try and learn English, but they were already like, you know, in their mid thirties, forties, and it's, it's hard to pick up a language at that time, you know. For me, growing up, being born and raised here, it was always a little bit difficult to communicate with them because I didn't speak Taiwanese, like my mom didn't teach me Taiwanese or Chinese, so I had a hard time communicating with them in a way in which probably put them at ease or that they felt comfortable.
2: Aside from language, there was another aspect of his culture that Adam didn't really understand. Stinky tofu. It's tofu that's brined until it ferments, and it has a distinct odor.
3: Stinky tofu does not smell good. It smells. It has a strong smell. It will like seep into your soul or at least your clothes. Some sort of like rancid vinegar smoke. As a vegetarian there's not a lot you can eat in the night markets and I go to night markets a lot because it's a very convenient late night food to have. So stinky tofu comes in a variety of different forms but my favorite is in the deep fried form. And it's nice, it's crunchy. Um, When you eat into it, it like has kind of a lightly sour tart flavor, but it's not offensive. It's nothing close to what the smell indicates it might taste like.
2: A friend was the one who first introduced Adam to the dish in Taiwan. Adam realized two things. One, he loved it. And two, stinky tofu was being misunderstood.
3: You know, once I finally learned and understood Chinese a little bit better, I realized it's called doufu. Like, 豆腐 is 豆腐, right? 豆腐 and 臭 means, like, smelly, not stinky. Because, like, when you think about it in English, just because something has a smell doesn't mean that it smells bad. It just means you can smell it.
2: Adam came home after living in Taiwan for several years. But now, he says he doesn't get to eat his favorite food as often. Convincing his Canadian friends to try stinky tofu is a hard sell.
3: It's unfortunate because every time I say I want to go for stinky tofu and I want to invite friends to do it, and I want to, you know, I want to look forward to this treat I always had, you know, it's not the same as being like, oh, I miss French crepes, or like, you know, I miss, I don't know, Texas barbecue. No, like saying, I miss stinky tofu. You're not going to have a lot of people going with you. And there's this already like this sort of inherent like, so that sucks. And I wish that people would be more open to uh, to trying it and getting over the fact that it just has kind of a bad label.
2: I invited the self-proclaimed Stinky Tofu Ambassador to join me at the Waterfront Night Market in Toronto to see if the local fair lived up to his memories of Taiwan. We followed our noses and met night market organizer Kwan Nguyen at the entrance. Oh, and a quick show note. Quan shares the same last name as Carol, who you heard at the beginning of this episode. He pronounces it Nguyen. Hi, nice to meet you. you guys are from Huff Horse? We have uh, three basically smelly tofu um
3: smelly vendor? Mm. Smelly, don't say stinky. Yes! Oh, smelly sounds better. So can you
2: please explain yes. to me
3: okay. why smelly? I actually don't know, but I think
2: the vendors will be able to tell you a little bit better, okay? Was that Adam in the background? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What was that yes for? Well, till now, Adam's theory that, quote, stinky tofu is in fact the wrong English translation came from his own reasoning. Kwan just confirmed that he's not alone. And so did Morgan Ho, who owns the Hong Kong-style smelly tofu shop. Why smelly tofu is so get smelly? Because tofu is protein-based. Once the protein gets fermented, it's natural bacteria deteriorating the protein and make it puff. That's why the smelly tofu is really crispy and puffy, but no aftertaste. People call smelly, stinky is the same. Smelly, stinky is the same way.
1: Depends on people how they call it.
3: Yeah, I'd say like smelly is more accurate than stinky. In terms of the Chinese translation, chou is like much more smelly, right? Because something that smells isn't necessarily bad, you just, you can smell it but then culturally we connotate smelly with bad, but the literal meaning is just a strong smell.
2: Smelly is mainly like a positive, but stinky is negative, right? Yeah. Morgan's tofu was good, but it didn't remind Adam of his time abroad. We continued through the crowded market in search of Taiwanese-style stinky tofu. Here
3: we go. Here's Waze. Ah. You Stinky mm-hmm. tofu? Do you want to try? Uh, is it Taiwan style? Taiwan
0: it in, yeah, the smelling tofu is the first one in Toronto. So, Wei
2: Smelly Tofu um, has been in Toronto for twenty years. Yes. Are you Wei? Yeah.
3: This <laughs> I asked someone if they are first time try. I say you like it. Why well, the smell is bad? But when I eat it, it's so amazing. This is like the traditional way to have smoky tofu, because. It's like they clipped open the center, like they, they stuck tongs in it to make space for the garlicky sauce. So it has like, you know, they just squirted the sauce inside of the tofu. And then on the side, they have the pickled cabbage and the carrots, which they call a uh, pow thai. So now you can have a mix of like spicy garlic and like the pungent flavor of the tofu itself mixed with like um, like the acidic kind of fermented flavor of the cabbage, and it's just like a giant mixture of pleasure in my mouth. So I'm excited to give it a go. And obviously it's very crispy too, so you can tell it's pretty legit. Um, hold on. It's pretty hot. Mm. i gonna need a second with this. Mm. Yeah, okay. That is like, that tastes like legit traditional tiki tofu. Yeah, it's good. That, yeah, I'm happy with this and I will finish this up and you can't have any. <laughs> so moving to Taiwan and getting a chance to learn Chinese. Not only just learn Chinese, but like understand how interactions work, understanding how reciprocity works. After several years of that coming back home, I felt like I just understood my relatives more as people. I remember the first time like coming back and then um, being like, hey, you知道, I and they were like, oh, Zhongwen like they're just like wow your chinese has gotten better and i'm like oh thank you they're like really surprised that my chinese is good so then they're like um they're like oh what do you like about taiwan i'd be like uh what's your favorite thing there and i'd be like oh well i tofu. so i just like tell them i love eating stinky tofu and then their face is just like what like are you serious because i don't think like a lot of young people especially like super canadianized like relatives like my brother and i would like come back and be like, hey, I love this food that obviously no one here seems to like, you know? So that was a nice sort of moment to bond with my aunts and uncles and um, feel like we could connect on the same plane for once. Yeah, that was really cool. You reach a certain age and then it's not up to your family anymore. Like, you you create the dynamic, you create the relationship with your parents and your relatives. It's like they're not like if they haven't done it to this point, they're not gonna do it. So if you want it, you make that happen or be okay with it not being like that.
2: Smelly topu's done a lot for Adam. It's helped him communicate with his family in a way he never expected. But if he's still on the fence about trying the dish, he has some advice.
3: Try it with an open mind and a closed nose.
2: (laughs) So you all tried Stinky Tofu, too, then? Yeah, we did. Um, It actually had some dire consequences. So afterwards, Adam, our producer, Stephanie, and I, we all piled into this taxi. And then the taxi driver, like, He greeted us, we went in, and as soon as he got a whiff of us, he rolled all the windows down. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't say a word, didn't say a word, was just like, But he was subtle. He was subtle, subtle, and we left him a big tip afterwards, which, you know, kind of made up for it. Uh, That's the best. And that's all for Born and
0: Raised. I'm Angeline Francis.
2: And I'm Eldonado. If you've got room for seconds, Lost in Translation has more for you to decipher. To see photos of our guests, read show notes, and the episode's transcript, you can visit HuffPost.ca.
0: Born and Raised is produced by Al Donato and Stephanie Werner for HuffPost Canada. Executive Producers Andre Lau and Lisa Young. Stay tuned for our next episode where we talk about our mamas.
1: My mom came downstairs and she was like, I noticed you haven't really been drinking milk recently. Kind of like, oh god, busted. I've been vegan for like four minutes and my mom's already
0: caught me. Until our next episode, thanks for listening. Stay hungry.